0: I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just picture the scene. You are sitting in a rather grandiose Baroque-styled hall. You're sitting at a table and in front of you there is an array of English breakfast bits and bobs. Eggs slightly oily, bacon definitely too crispy, toast that's cold, butter that's too hard. But around the table sit seven other DMs. DMs that have been drawn from across the world as some of the most profile prominent DMs on the planet. And one of the DMs, incredibly experienced, knowledgeable, having written rules on all of the favorite role-playing games you've ever played, turns to the table and says, "'How do you pronounce the demon lord's name of Jubilex?' All seven DMs now look up from their munching, their crunching, and their tasting of the various foods, and the sipping of the coffee. And one of them says, "'I've always pronounced it Jublé." Someone else says, you mean, like, Café de Jubilee? And that, folks, completely changed my entire campaign. Here's how. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of How to Be a Great GM. My name is Guy, as you well know, and if you don't know it, well, welcome to the channel for the first time. I'm talking about the campaign that I ran at Dungeons & Dragons in a castle, the in a castle. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because I had... A vague plan. I always only have vague plans going into running these three-day campaigns. Mini-campaigns, really. Because I don't know the players. I've dealt with them briefly by post and that sort of thing as we sort of discuss. This is my character, and this is that, and the next thing. But I don't really know what to expect from them as actual players. So I try and keep the campaign plan vague-ish so that I can adapt it as my players contribute. I've got three days, six sessions, sometimes a bit more, but mostly six sessions of four hours or so that I've got to adapt in. Perfectly fine. Anyway, we were sitting around the breakfast table the day before the guests arrived, the players arrived, and there were these seven DMs. And you've got mega names, which I'm not going to drop, but you've got some amazing DMs sitting there, folks that have either shaped the very industry that we're in or who are busy shaking it and shaping it as we go along. And this question of Jubilex came up. Now, it just so happened... That I had got the Jubilex model, which is this black, slimy, tentacular thing with eyeballs. It's, it's, it's lovely and it's quite big. My campaign idea was that the world's oceans were starting to be covered in a black slime. The local lich king had declared it was nothing to do with the undead. I will send a representative to investigate alongside you. I swear it's not a trick. The king had believed him. This was mainly because one of the players wanted to play a necromancer with an undead warg as a mount, which I had thought was pretty cool. So that was one thing. The other player was playing a paladin of justice and light and was like, hey, how the hell are we going to work together? I'm like, ha ha! The GM says you're going to work together because the lich has formed an alliance with the king. This is not totally convenient at all. Well, actually, it turned out to be very convenient because what it did was in in, in all honesty, A, it solved the player conflict that potentially could have arisen, Well, the player character conflict that could have arisen, with a paladin running around turning undead and the necromancer trying to make undead. Stop turning all of my creations into dust, you bastard! I mean, that's what they were worried could happen. The players were actually worried it was going to happen. I didn't really care because it's not my undead that'd be turned. Anyway, so this was one way to resolve it, but it was also a nice way to say to the players, hey, look, don't go barking up the undead tree. This is not black undead slime. I don't know what slime it is, but it's not black undead slime. I hadn't figured out exactly what it was. Just that the oceans had started to turn black with this black-like ooze. And my plan was that the players were going to get hired by, the player characters were going to get hired by the king to go and investigate this black ooze-like substance. And the path that they were going to follow, because you didn't need to have a vague kind of plan, was that the... Autarch of the elves, um, basically the head librarian, academic researcher, that sort of thing, had some knowledge about this stuff. You don't know what the knowledge was because, quite frankly, I hadn't invented it yet. Anyway, the idea was that the players would go, okay, cool, so the elves know some stuff. So they're going to do their usual kind of playery kind of stuff and then eventually get to the elves. I could have some encounters on the sea as they're sailing towards the elves, get to the elves. Uh, there could be some stuff that goes on in the elves. I can have some cool library-like fights and spell books trying to eat the player characters and those kinds of things. Okay, cool. And then they discover that the librarian has been abducted. And I had a map, an archipelago that I was using. And I said, okay, cool. Well, the elves have been abducted by... And I just wanted to move them to the other side of the map. So there was a whole bunch of jungles and, and, and that sort of thing, which were controlled by goblins. So I was like, okay, cool. The Autark has been abducted by goblins. So the players will go basically from the starting city to the elves. And then from the elves, they'll go to the goblins. And then another part of the map, because they have a sailing ship. So it's all about moving around the map. That was The journey was going to be as much fun, hopefully, as the actual adventure. The boat folk are involved because the black water is affecting them. Maybe they're causing it. I hadn't invented that far yet. I didn't need to worry about that stuff yet. That was my outline. And I was sitting there going, yes, I'm quite happy with this. It's a nice little journey. It's going to get them around the map. They're going to have some weird and wonderful interior stuff. We're going to go to the jungles of the goblins and have some jungly kind of encounters and things, and that's quite fun. And then we're going to go and have an underwater adventure with the merfolk. Uh, So that's pretty great. Those are three major points. I'm playing for three days, so thank you very much. Then this conversation about Jubilex came along. The Café de Jublé. Now, Café de Jublé. you have to understand one thing. When you are at a convention as a professional DM, so you are sitting there and you are running games for folks, you are basically performing for eight or nine or ten hours. And a lot of us will have different crutches. Some, it will be Monster or Red Bull or some kind of energy drink. For others, it will be snacks. For me... It is basically a constant flow of tea and coffee. So, at the castle, teas and coffees are one of the most requested things throughout the entire event, which means that coffee is on everybody's mind. And of course, this is breakfast. So everyone is having coffee at breakfast and orange juice, but orange juice doesn't really, you know, orange de jubilee doesn't really, um, anyway. So cafe de jubilee popped into existence And you've got these seven DMs who are just powerhouses of improv and driving narrative and stuff. And someone goes, Cafe de Joublet. Hmm. Definitely sounds French. Okay. Uh, Well, who would run Cafe de Joublet? And someone said, Flumps. I don't remember where Flumps came from, but everyone was like, Oh. Le flumfeu, of course the Flumps will run Cafe de, du, de And of course Le Flumps that are running Cafe de Jouble, their only response will always be May we. Oui. Can I have a coffee de Jouble? May we. Oui. Can I have a cookie? May we. Oui. Can I pay for it tomorrow? May we not. whatever. And so all the DMs went, you know what? None of us this is a creation that has happened twenty-four hours before our game start with all of these wonderful players. We're gonna include it. Throw throughout the castle. Every single table, I think every single table, it seems like almost all of them, because there were 12 tables running. Every single one of them had a cafe de jubilé. There was either they see it in town, you walking past downtown, past the streets, there's shops, there's fishmongers, there's an artificer, there's cafe de jublé selling its amazing coffee. Most of the GMs, it was mentioned, the players were like, cafe de jubilé. Either they got coffee, they didn't get coffee, they avoided it like the plague. Oh, I like that idea. I want to be part of this. This is quite cool. I'm already using the Jublais oh, <laughs> model, Jublix's model, because I'm using black slime. I don't yet know what this black slime is. And then someone, I think it was, it was someone said, "Well, think of it from Jublix's perspective." Uh, and he said, "Why can't I have?" A trading empire, as well as being an Abyssal Lord. I was like, yes! Why can't the Abyssal Lord have a trading empire in the Prime Material Plane? And then I was like, aha! It is Jublex himself who's trying to break into the Prime Material Plane using this black water. Still don't know how, it's all very vague and that sort of thing. So I thought, okay, well, in order to do my part and to be a participant in Café de Jubilee, my players, I had always planned, that the very first session that they were going to have, kind of like a session zero, was that they were going to be playing NPC passengers on board a ship, and that the ship was going to get destroyed by this black water. To kind of give them a sense of the power of the black water, also as the players to get them a sense of playing with one another as well, without playing their characters, kind of disarms the players from, oh, well, this is my precious character, to, oh, this is an NPC, let's just have some fun. So it kind of lets everybody have their hair down as well. So... This ship, the Cariff, of course it's called the Cariff. For those of you who don't know, a Cariff is something that you keep coffee in. So the Cariff was transporting crates of café de jubelais, boxes of coffee and the players were like okay what's in the crates Well, it's just coffee it's coffee 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 except for some silks and things that are coming from different merchants because it's a ship so it's got all sorts of things on and then they get attacked the black water attacks them and this weird creature underneath attacks them that has strange lights going on about it and the whole ship is being destroyed and, and damaged and all that kind of stuff and basically it was just a a lot of fun saying okay how does your character die how does your character roll the dexterity check dc 20 and they've got plus three because they're npcs and i oh i got a 12 okay how does your character die impaled as the mast crashes through this chest it was just a bit of fun the one player however they had in their terror they had thrown crates of cafe de Joublé over the side of the water and i decided on a whim That when Café de Jubilé comes into contact with the Blackwater, it explodes titanically in this giant fire explosion. Just to make it more dramatic, I was Michael baying the hell out of the scene, right? So the players are like, oh, that stuff explodes. I'm like, yes, but this would all be never meta-knowledge for your actual player characters. So Café de Jubilé will die on the cariff. One player decides he's not going to throw Café de Jubilee out into the sea, which explodes. He's going to throw some other chests and crates and boxes and basically create a lot of flotsam, which I was happy for him to do. It means the player is engaging with the scene. I'm not going to stop that from happening. He dove into the water way before any of the other players decided to try and abandon ship. And he started kicking out and started gathering bits and pieces and supplies together. And I said, all right, well, you are in the middle of the, the, the uh, Merfolk Ocean. Your chances of survival are slim. And he went, well, isn't the Carathon a shipping trade route? Because it would be, wouldn't it? And you go, oh, damn, 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 damn. But yes, yes, brilliant for you for pointing that out, for reminding me as the GM that my world exists and would have trading routes. And yes, yes, absolutely, there would be other ships here. But I'm not going to make it easy for you. So I had the character have to make some rolls A survival roll, an athletics check, a constitution saving throw, you know, just a whole bunch of them. Trying to get to the point where I'm like, well, finally, your character succumbs and perishes. How do they die? Before I could ask him, he had rolled a couple of natural 20s and some 19s and some 18s. And you're like... This character is just going to survive. I can't stop that, and I'm not going to stop that. This is what the dice have told me to do, so we're all just literally going to roll with it. End of scene. Ship sinks, all the other NPCs are dead, except for this one who survives. Start of the actual campaign. Right, now we're getting into the meat of it. I still have no idea why Café de Jubelé was exploding, I have no idea really, apart from the Abyssal Lord trying to get into the Prime Material Plane, what the Black Water is all about. uh, I'm still exploring, I'm still experimenting, I'm still sort of trying to read my player characters. I'm getting a bit of a better sense for them as well. They are standing in front of the King, I've done my opening monologue, the King has briefed them, this dark water is incredibly dangerous. It is causing ships to sink. The Cariff was the latest victim, for example. And there is a survivor, if you would like to speak with the survivor. And of course, they wanted to speak to the only surviving NPC, who was also played by one of the PCs. Obviously, being players, they picked up on what they wanted to pick up on. And so the player drove home what the NPC had seen, which was basically Café de Jubelay explodes in the black water. Didn't mention a thing about the tentacled monster or any of that kind of stuff. No, didn't mention that they were in the merfolk. No, none of that, none of that information. Just that Café de Jubelay was involved. I don't want to say I knew I was in trouble, but I knew that the game was about to take a significant change, unless I acted. Because the players immediately went, oh yeah, we've been told that the elves know what the stuff is. But we're not going to go there. We're going to go to Café de Jublé's headquarters, aren't we? Yes. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Greyport is one of the largest trading cities in the archipelago. There's no reason why Café de juble would wouldn't have headquarters there. Okay, great. Uh, what is happening? My world is taking over. Which I... Love! When that is what is happening, as a DM, I am as happy as can be. So, my players go along to the headquarters, they meet with a very shady CEO, because all CEOs, in my opinion, are shady in some way, form, or another. As a matter of fact, I was actually reading an article where most CEOs are certified sociopaths. That's what you need, apparently, to be a CEO of a giant conglomerate. Anyway, this is where, reading the player characters' abilities and things individually, May need a video on its own. But I had three of my six players all having the ability to charm without using magic, really. They didn't have to cast spells around anything; They just had to talk for three minutes using the persuasion skill. Or they had to do this, or that to do that. Lovely, 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 lovely. So eventually they get the CEO to, to literally spill the beans. The CEO did not know exactly what was in the coffee. But they knew that it was perfectly safe for people to eat. They also knew exactly where it came from. And that was from... Here is the DM panicking, inventing stuff, going, well, coffee comes from jungle territories. So look on the map. There's a jungle territory over there. Okay, so the coffee is harvested in that jungle space. The PCs all look at the jungle space. And lo and behold, that also happens to be where the goblins are. So I'm going, okay, they're going to avoid my elvish uh, encounter and go straight to the goblins. Super duper. Still don't understand what the coffee has to do with the black water, but we're getting there. So my players hive themselves off to the goblin town, have some amazing adventures, and may may have caused the campaign to change yet again. I have this theory, or not a theory, I have a practice that I, I use. When the players split the party, both groups should be engaged in some way, shape or form and preferably they should either be engaged in the same activity or in the opposite activity. In this particular instance, four of the six PCs went into the arena to go fighting. I wasn't entirely sure why they were volunteering to do this whilst investigating Café de Joublay's cocoa bean operations on the jungle plantation, but they decided to go into the arena anyway, so they go in to fight this thing. Two of the players decide to sit with the arena manager, goblin overlord, and basically schmooze I guess. Then one of the players who was in the box decides to split away and go and search for stuff. I hadn't really got anything for them to find in the arena. I also did not really want them to just wander around. They failed some of their checks, so they'd got lost by that point. The schmoozer in the box had kind of run out of schmooze, and the battle in the arena was going poorly. And I, so I wanted to ratchet things up a little bit. Now, I had mentioned in passing, because I didn't want the players to go into the underdark, that the... Uh, Tunnels to the Underdark have been closed up and sealed up and that sort of thing. So I guess that's where this inspiration came from. Because the player who went off sneaking around came across Café de Jubilé guards changing into the uniforms of peasants. But on their back was strapped a large barrel. The player immediately assumed that it was coffee beans... And that something was going to go on. And there was, indeed. They were going to go and assassinate the drow. Still wasn't sure why, but it would give a combat to those in the box and it would reinforce Café de Jublé's evilness whilst the others were in the arena. The battle commences. It's not proving very interesting. By my fault the booth that they were in wasn't very big so two of the player uh, the, the two players couldn't really get to the guards because there were already goblin guards protecting the goblin overlord so it was kind of like an npc versus npc battle and it really wasn't very exciting so i needed to ratchet it up and i do this from time to time if i realize that i have made a mistake if i've made an error and things are going a little bit slow or a little bit dull i will throw in something mainly for myself just because it's like hey Idiot, step up, step up your game. So the barrel that they were carrying did indeed contain coffee beans. But strapped to their belts was this amazing glowing liquid, which they threw onto the drow before trying to throw coffee onto the drow. I needed to twist this up. I needed to give the guys in the booth something to investigate, something to look into. So this glowing liquid was thrown all over the drow. doesn't seem to burn them, doesn't seem to hurt them, doesn't seem to do anything to them whatsoever, but it's being thrown onto them by Café de Joublet staff. Not just coffee. Well, they know that coffee doesn't react with anything except for this black water. So why were they doing it? Well, I didn't know at the time, but the players now had an investigation to start following through, and they started to follow through on that. They discover that this stuff is, is divine blood. It is the blood of angels. And they're like, why the hell would they be throwing the blood of angels onto the drought? I'm like, that's a very good question. What was I thinking? I didn't know what I was thinking. But thankfully, the players had a internal PC versus PC conflict on whether they should coat someone in angelic blood and then throw the coffee beans onto them or not. This never transpired, which actually worked out to my benefit because it gave me a night of s- wonderful sleep because it's always nice to have these things going on. You're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. Let's figure it out. That I think was was the big turn because suddenly I realized, hang on a moment. We've got... This company, Café de Jubilé, this invention of DMs suffering from lack of sleep, jet lag, and too much cheap coffee. And now we've got this angel's blood. We've got this black liquid on the water as well. And we've got this idea that Jubilix is trying to get into the prime material plane. Let's put those 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 constraints together. And finally, it twigged. I went, oh, here's what I did. My party, try and get more information out of the Café de Jubilé processing plant. But... Because they made some unwise choices, the enemy knew that they were coming. Destroyed the facility before they could get there. So then they make contact with the Elvish Autark, who now actually has information to give them, and was never abducted by the goblins. I didn't need him to be anymore, because the PCs were already at the goblins, so now they could get to the Autark. There was that journey that I had wanted all along. They get there, the Autark tells them basically, well, when you combine... Um, all of these things together, strange and wonderful things happen. We don't know exactly what exactly, but there are strange and wonderful things happening. All we do know is that they are trying to set off a very big bomb at the very center of the Merfolk Ocean. This I had now figured out. So the player's are like, okay, well, we've got to get there, we've got to stop them. So we had a wonderful chase on our hands where the PCs managed to get a drow submarine. They were sailing, they were going, they were doing their journey, and part of their journey was to face an aqua baby so a little baby aqua had just hatched as they were sailing through one of the trenches and it tried to attack them and this was one of the great moments in the campaign um arguably i feel like this could almost have been the conclusion of the campaign if i had if i had worked it out differently but i felt that it was a lovely little moment here is this uh, baby aqua so an aquatic version of the terrasque, swimming after this little drow submarine that's basically made out of spiderwebs and paper. And they take a barrel of café de jubilee, a bottle of the black liquid, and a bottle of um, divine blood, strap it all together and launch it at this aqua who promptly swallows it, but it doesn't ignite because it swallowed it whole. So the necromancer, much to the paladin's chagrin, but ultimately to the effects of good, so it was tolerable, raised a ghost sent the ghost out to the Aqua and caused the barrel to explode. This was the moment when the players discovered exactly what those three reagents when combined together do. The Aqua exploded outwards in a shower of bits and pieces and guts and all sorts of things. But at the very center of it, there was a portal that had been created between the abyssal plane and the prime material plane. And immediately, black tentacles started to pull and pour out of this little hole. It was terrifying that they had turned an aquitoresque into this spectral star-spawn-like tentacled monster thing. What they did notice, however, was that if there wasn't a constant supply of black liquid, because they were at such depths the portal would slowly close as the reaction burnt its way through. So they would need a terrific explosion to do that. And they suddenly realized, well, the drought told us that there were these cafe de jubelais built in a very specific area. They had mapped it out on their map and they realized that it was a concentric circle around a central point. And if they blew all of them at the same time, they would create this three or 400 mile wide portal. Minds blown chase the ship eventually they catch up with the ship there's other fleets engaged bombarding this mega ship that's busy fighting back they get on board the ship through some wonderful wonderful player character ability techniques face down the big bad but primarily manage to get this giant vial of angelic it wasn't a vial it was a vat angelic blood they got that off the ship and then of course the ship explodes, the coffee explodes, the black liquid explodes, but there's no angelic blood, so there is no portal. They save the day. And all of that came out of a bunch of DMs talking about how do you pronounce jubilex, with a French accent, perhaps. And I have to say, I think it's been one of the, one of, all the campaigns that I have run at Dindina Castle have always been amazing. Not because of me, but because of the players. I'm just there to facilitate, but I have to say this one, is one of those where I had the least planning and yet it went in such a different direction to what I had thought, still hitting the beats that I had I had considered because I was able to shape the narrative to those beats but not control it I would never in a million years have come up with that concept on my own, I don't think. So, this is a big thank you to those wonderful DMs who were sitting around that table having breakfast with me. Uh, You are each wonderful and special. You know who you are. And, of course, to my amazing six players, they really made that game come alive. I mean, we had... We had one character riding naked ogres in jelly wrestling. Uh, I've done that once before in a campaign a very long time ago. as a bit of a joke. The player really got into it and actually went back with their reward money and bought the ogre wrestling and jousting uh, pits there. Uh, But it was just, it was an absolute blast that we had. Hopefully this has given you some inspiration. It's given you some insight, given you something to think about and to look at and say, well, actually, you know what? You don't have to plan everything. You can't plan everything you shouldn't plan. Uh, In my opinion, you should just go with it and remember to always serve Café de Jubelé. Until next time, I want to wish you and yours the happiest of gaming.